want to go to Philippians chapter 3. And we talk a lot about things that are changing in the world. A lot is changing. Faster than we can keep up with. Christianity that we believe in, our, our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ that we believe in, has, is more and more becoming a, 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 a taboo belief and a, and a taboo God. Philippians chapter 3. And around us we see hostility rising against Christianity. And we've mentioned before how strange that is, because when you look at Christianity next to Islam, it's funny how the world seems to be embracing Islam and turning against Christianity, and it doesn't even make any sense. Uh, Women in America chanting that we should have Sharia law in America. I'm like, do you even understand what that means to you? (laughs) I mean, are you crazy? There is a spiritual battle raging in our world, and the devil is blinding the minds of people, and, and so much like that happening around us. But along with that, Christianity has been attacked the teeth of Christianity, the foundational beliefs of Christianity have been attacked and continue to be attacked. And yes, eroded, good word for it. And I, and I bring that to you and you say, well, you talk about that a lot, preacher, because that's something that we need to talk about a lot. We need to keep that before our minds and our hearts and our spirits, what is happening, because it's so easy to get pulled into things if you don't know what's going on. Philippians chapter 3, verse 17, it says, Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk, so as ye have us for an example. For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping. They are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. For our conversation is in heaven, from whence we look, For the Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto His glorious body, according to the working whereby He is able even to subdue all things unto Himself. God, I ask that You will give me clarity of thought and speech today. Let it speak to us what we need right now in this hour. In Jesus' name, Amen. You can have Christianity... And the world won't care as long as you take certain elements of Christianity away. They don't mind if you're Christian as long as you don't talk about holiness or the cross or the blood or things that they don't like. They they can accept that you follow some guy named Jesus Christ. That's okay to them. But... When you get down to the foundational beliefs that we stand on, that is offensive to them. We have what I believe is the most offensive religion in the history of the world. People are offended by Christianity. It makes sense to us, but that's just the way it's out. Sonoma State University have forced their students to remove necklaces with crosses on them because a cross is something offensive that you should not be able to carry in a university setting. Uh, Military bases across our world, especially in Afghanistan, because of being so Muslim, have removed crosses. They are not allowed to have crosses because it is offensive. 
to Muslims to have crosses. The pitcher's mound at Bush Stadium removed the cross that was once there. Uh, Muslim mobs in Egypt attack Christian churches routinely and force them to take down their crosses. They don't like the cross. Why? Because it's by that cross that you are saved. It's by what happened on that cross. Now think about this. It's bad enough that a man is laid on a cross, nails driven through his hands, driven through his feet, and, and tortured that way, that heavy cross lifted and dropped into a hole in the earth and, and, and ripping the flesh in his body, the blood filling up in his lungs and to where he has to lift himself to relieve and get air into his lungs. And when he does that, the excruciating pain that was endured because of that, and you say, that's horrible for a man to go through. But do you understand that a God went through that for you and me? That's what's the most amazing to me, is He is Almighty God. He is the King of kings, the Lord of lords. He breathed the earth into existence. He spoke it into existence. Here it is. Here it is. Here's light. Here's earth. Here's, here's life. Here's, here's mankind. All of it. By the word of His mouth. By His power and authority. And instead of just going, you've sinned, you turned away from me, you rebelled against me, I'm wiping you out. Instead, he came up with a plan so that you and I can live with him eternally in glory. Why did he do that? I think the key is in Genesis when the Bible says that God breathed into man the breath of life. See, you're more than just a dog or a deer or an antelope or whatever. You're more than that. Because none of them did God ever get down and breathe the breath of life into them. He breathed the breath of life into you. You are more than just a creation to Him. You are His child. You're His kid. And just like prayer requests today, pray for our kids, pray for our kids. Every one of us here has a burden for our children. The, the pain of it, the anguish of it, when they go the wrong way, when they don't do the right thing, when they reject God, when we tried so hard to instill God to them, and we, we teach them, we take them to church, and we do all those things, and yet our children do the wrong things and take the wrong avenues and make the wrong decisions. It's heartbreaking, it's wrenching to us because they're more than just our little pet dog running around. They're better than our chickens running around. They're our child. God breathed into us the breath of life. That's why He couldn't just wipe us out. He couldn't just destroy us because we were kids. We were His kids. So He came up with a way. And that way was the cross. That cross carried all of the shame of everything that you and I have ever done. Every sinful action, every sinful word, every sinful motive. But it doesn't stop just in the world. Churches are removing the cross. Churches across the world are removing the cross of Jesus Christ. Protestant church in Oberhausen, Germany, offered to make 50 people more welcome. Refugees. They wanted to make refugees more welcome. Their pastor, uh, Joachim Dielichdig, interesting name, He said, before the refugees can come in, the seats need to be taken away. Also, the altar and the pulpit and the cross need to be moved out. Now, think about this. See, this started working in my brain. They're refugees, and they're coming to a church, 
And the thing that takes, is taken out of the church is the pulpit, the cross, and the altar. What are the answers to genuine refugees? The pulpit, the cross, and the altar. <laughs> Nothing else that a church has to offer is going to help them. But the pulpit, the cross, and the altar. They took the very thing out that was the most important for them to have. But they didn't stop there. They also removed all signs of the cross to make it more inviting for Muslim worshipers. They also said that the direction of Mecca should be marked in their church. What? You're going to mark the direction of Mecca in a Christian church? Hmm. And they were given free meals. At least they fed their bodies. They didn't feed their spirits, but they fed their bodies. It was not a big surprise that shortly after that, the pastor of that church announced that he's actually an atheist. And then shortly after that, he came out of the closet and said, yeah, he's a homosexual. Who would have guessed? What do you know? Now see... Sin attacks the cross. The sin can't stand the cross. Because the cross either destroys sin or it makes you face your sin. You can't escape sin when you're looking at the cross. Because that cross happened because of your sin and my sin. That's why it was there. That's why Jesus went to that cross. That's why He suffered and died. That's why that is a symbol of what, what we look at, uh, look at every day of our lives. That, 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 that gulf between man and God had to be bridged, and that was bridged by that cross. That time on a cross. My wife will remember an old friend of ours named Jeff Davis. Not little Jeff, big Jeff. He used to sing a song. And it was called, Don't Move the Cross. And I, I loved it, so I put the words down here. And it says, it must be an awful thing for Christ to have to see a world that's turned its back on Him, though sovereign He may be. By Him was made an easier way, so that men might be free. Though His back was laid bare, He seemed not to care. Though the blood filled His eyes and matted in His hair. Where He hung His head and died, but before that He cried, Father, forgive them. Then the next verse says, before you move the cross away, or this is the chorus, before you move the cross away, what will replace it? If we don't give the cross deep thought, we are downward bound, let's face it. An emblem that has shed its light on so many souls that would be lost. Move anything, yes, everything, but don't move the cross. Then the next verse says, I don't know if folks can see just how I feel down deep inside. Toward those who try to hide this cross, and from those lost sheep who cry. God help me if I should be the man who would try to say that his blood is not real, and no one can feel his powers all gone and his stripes cannot heal. But for all that it's worth, we might, may as well curse and throw it all away. Powerful message in that song. And this is what's happening in churches, and we're not talking about just some strange, uh, obscure church in Germany. It's happening in churches in America by some of the biggest Christian names in the United States. And I can name some and you would get really mad at me. But <laughs> it's happening all across our land where the cross is being taken out of the churches because the cross is offensive. We don't want to offend anyone. A Michigan church in an attempt to be more inclusive 
changed its name to EC Exchange. I'm not sure even what that means. But the pastor said, here's what's happened at at C3 in the past couple of years. We've had a number of people join our community. We've had Buddhists, Jewish people, Muslims, gay people, spiritual but not religious. Everyone come and join. So we've changed the name and moved the cross to catch up with who we've become. Basically, we've got something in common that goes much beyond all those differences. That is, that is what we want. No, that is we want to be all that we can be to the world and make a difference together. Mm. That is what we want to, or I still can't say it, but I'd like you to get it if I could say it. <laughs> that is we want to be all we can be for the world. What a powerful statement right there. And then he says, people are attracted to our community because it's open, it's inclusive, it's diverse. But more importantly, people have come together because they want to make a difference. They want to practice being human together. And this is a safe place to do it. Mm. Everybody's invited except for God. (laughs) Everybody's going to be comfortable here except for the one true and only God. There is no other way. There's no other person. There is no other God. And let me tell you, and I'll remind you again, God has a right to demand that you live a certain way. He has that right. Modern Christians think that God doesn't have a right to condemn me of what I'm doing. God has a right. Well, why does He have a right? Because He created you. He built you. You get all your tools out and you build a car from the ground up and you put the key in the thing, you expect it to start. (laughs) You put it in gear, you expect it to go. You built the thing. You have a right to demand that of it. God has a right to tell us we must live a certain way. 1 Corinthians 1, 22 says, For the Jews require a sign and the Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. Unto the Jews a stumbling block, and unto the Greeks foolishness. But unto them which are called, both Jew and Greek, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. That's who He is. That's what the cross is all about. He could not get rid of us, so He provided the cross to, 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 to fill that void. To give us a chance, to give us an opportunity, because He couldn't find it in himself just to wipe out what he had created and breathe the breath of life in. Genesis chapter 2, 7, verse 7 says, And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the earth, the ground and breathed into him. See, there is so much God's very essence, his person, his character, his being was breathed into us. We are not just something else. We are not just an animal or a creature or a creation. We are the very essence and child of Almighty God. No, I'm not equating us to God. I'm saying God created us with His character in His image. He breathed that into us. That's a responsibility on us. When God breathes into us the breath of life, we have a responsibility to carry that banner of Jesus Christ and do it as God would want us to do. We are His kids. He humbled Himself. Psalm 86.15 says, But thou, O Lord, art a God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering and plenteous in mercy and truth. You know why? 
He, has, he, he couldn't destroy us because His very character is of mercy and compassion. He is a God of compassion. He is a God of forgiveness. He is a God of mercy. And thank God, because this boy needed it. I don't know about you, but I needed that. Very much so. Hebrews 12.2 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross. Whoa. The joy that was set before Him endured the cross? What joy? You. You and I were the joy. Why do we have these little munchkins that come into our lives and scream for about a year and a half solid. We never get to sleep. You know, any mother understand that one? And we do that, and they don't, they make messes everywhere. They go all of a sudden. You know, when Jimmy was born, we were, we thought we had this thing figured out. We never even slowed down. Back then, there was a church activity every night. We were, we were at church every night. We were running wide open. We said, we're not going to let a baby slow us down. Jimmy was just drug along. We were flying. <laughs> then Trisha was born. And you talk about life going right there. That's where it stopped. It was like we were in a prison inside of that place because we couldn't do anything else. Now we had two of them. And we did this willingly. We did this on purpose. <laughs> it's crazy. God, in G- Jesus Christ, looked at us and said, I am so full of joy of my kids that I'll go to the cross for them. The wonderful creation that I have made bring me such joy that I will endure the cross. It doesn't even make sense to me. But then when you look at what a child does and they tear everything up and they break everything and they scream all the time and they make messes and you think, it doesn't even make sense why we love them so much. But we do. We would lay down our life for them in a moment because we love them so dearly. Then he goes on to say, despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. The Lord Jesus Christ is waiting for us because He went to the cross. He provided that means. He he bridged the gap. He paid the price. Now it's just waiting for us. Philippians 2.5 says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made Himself of no reputation, took upon Him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of man. And being found in fashion as a man, He humbled Himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God has highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow, and every tongue confess that uh, of the things on earth and things under the earth, that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. The Lord Jesus Christ is the one and only. There is no other. He is the Almighty God. To the glory of God the Father. See, you take away the cross and you take away the the penalty. And that's what the world doesn't want. They want the sin. They don't want the penalty for sin. They want to be able to do whatever they want to do. See, when we were kids, we did that. We looked at that and we said, We know that Dad said not to go play in that pond. But that pond is sure cool looking. 
is playing in that pond going to be worth the beating I'm going to get later? (laughs) Did you not do that? Every boy did, I guarantee you. The girls might have been smarter, but every boy said, yeah, this is going to be worth it. (laughs) This is going to be worth it. I'm going to do it. (laughs) That's it. (laughs) And and yeah, we did the yabba dabba do, dive in, take the beating later. (laughs) Gonna be awesome. See, that's what the world wants to do. I want to be able to have the sin, but I don't want to face the penalty. That's what the cross does. It throws that penalty right up before their face, and they can't sidestep it. They can't skirt it. They can't get away from it. So what do they do? Let's get rid of the cross. We got to get rid of the cross because that way I can feel better about the sin I'm living in. But we remove the penalty, we remove the sin, right? I mean, if there's no penalty for breaking a rule, is there really a rule? It doesn't even, I mean, you can tell your kid, don't do that, but if you're going to do absolutely nothing, if they do it, there's really no rule there. That's what taking the penalty away does. Oh, there's no sin. I've never sinned. There's no sin involved in it because I'm not going to pay any price for breaking that rule. That's what removing the cross does. And so when we remove the sin, we remove the shame. Have you ever seen a time when people have avoided shame like today? It's mind-boggling to me. I'm trying to think. Andy McDowell's on the news last week talking about, for the first time in her career, she's going to do a nude scene on TV. And she's just really excited about that. Or in a movie, I don't know what it was. And she's excited about that. And I'm thinking, where's the shame? Where's the shame? Where's the, where's the guilt for sin? Where is it? We have, we've raised a generation that thinks that the, 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 the more they sin, the less shame they feel. There's something wrong when people sin willingly and there's no shame involved. But we've gotten rid of the cross. So there is no There is none of that. There's no penalty. There's no sin. There's no shame because there's no cross. It's all taken away. That cross, you remove all of the above. If you remove the cross and you remove the penalty and you remove the sin and you remove the shame, you no longer need God. Right? Let that sink in a moment. That's where we are in the world. They've convinced themselves they don't need God. We don't need God. What do I need God for? I don't even believe in God. Do you believe in evolution? Yeah, well, that's scientific. Really? Have you looked at science? There's nothing scientific about evolution. It's nonsense. There's a whole lot more proof that there's an almighty God than there is in evolution. And yet, they will accept and they will embrace that. But see, this is happening all across our land and it's happening in our churches. You want to find something interesting? Find some of the big name preachers. The big names, the ones that you see on TV and you hear their name and you know them well and start looking to find their testimony. It's an interesting thing. Find their testimony. Because at some point or another they wrote their testimony down or they preached a service with their testimony in it. Find it. What you won't find is the cross. You won't find anything about sin. You'll find them down and out having a bad time and God showed up and talked to them. But where's the sin? Where's the repentance? 
Where's the realization that we violated the law of God? Where is the need for Almighty God to cleanse my soul? Oh, as long as he just showed up in a laundromat, like one of them said, she was in a laundromat and God showed up and spoke to her, and by golly, after that, she was a Christian. (laughs) Doesn't work that way. It's more than just having God show up in a laundromat. It's about man coming into a realization that they violated the law of Almighty God. And there's no way out except through the cross of Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 2.24 says, Who His own self bare our sins in His own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sin, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes we are healed. Hallelujah! But ye were sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. There's only one way. That sin that we carried is gone, and if it's gone, it's only gone by the blood of Jesus Christ shed on a cross. There is no other way. There is no other answer. Galatians 3.13 says, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made the curse for us. He took your curse. What was your curse? Your curse was an eternity burning in hell. That was your curse. But He took that curse. Jesus Christ took that curse and being made the curse for us. For it is written, the, it cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. There was nothing more vile in ancient uh, Roman and, uh, and Hebrew Culture than a man to be hung on a tree. That's why they did it, to punish the worst of the worst. They hung him on a tree. You say, well, why do you say tree? Because that's what Deuteronomy refers to. Luke 9.23 says, And he said unto them, If any man shall come after him, let him deny himself and take up what? His cross. Wait a minute. You mean there's more crosses besides just Jesus' cross? There's a message there. And then he says to follow me. There's a message there because that cross was excruciating and it was personal. Jesus went to that cross and I believe that he was looking down through time and he saw every one of us. There's a big theological argument that goes on on whether Jesus died for everybody or he only died for the ones who would repent. You know what? Don't care. Don't really care about arguing about that. Doesn't matter. But this I do know, and I do believe, that when he was on that cross, he had people's mind, people in his mind, very specific children in his mind, and he was thinking of them because he became the curse for them, and he was providing a way. It was a personal thing where he was personally dying on a cross for you. It was a personal experience, and it was a sacrifice. And I've mentioned many times, today, we want to have Christianity without the sacrifice. We want to be called a child of God, but we don't want to lose anything to do it. Well, why should I lose anything? All them preachers tell me I get all kinds of things. Well, you become a child of God, you're going to lose things and people. It's going to happen. Your friends will change. The things that you're interested in will change. The things that make you happy will change. Things in your life 100% change when you become a child of God. If you come say a prayer and you live just like you did before, you're not saved. 
That's how it works. God changes you. And that sacrifice is called. We're called for that sacrifice. Well, I don't want to lose this. Well, then you've got a choice to make. Well, I can't let go of that. Well, if you, then you have a choice to make. See, salvation's free, but it will cost you everything. It will cost you. And it's priceless, that gift, what was done on a cross. That cross is priceless, what Jesus Christ did for us. And yet, then He says, now you take up your cross and follow Me. It's not easy being a Christian. It's not easy. The culture is turning away from us. It's becoming more of a ridicule. I remember, some of you remember the days when co-workers wouldn't tell nasty jokes in your presence because they have such respect for Christians. Now it's almost like they look forward to telling nasty jokes in your presence because they despise Christians. They want to make silly comments. And, the, and you think, oh, it's horrible. But folks, we got it so good. Because across our world are our brothers and sisters bought by the same Christ who died on the same cross and they are laying down their lives. They are suffering and dying, having their families ripped apart before their eyes because they're serving Jesus Christ. What is that cross? That cross is whatever it needs to be. Whether it is your life, whether it is your treasures, whether it is family members, whether it's a sin that you really, really, really don't want to let go of. That's your cross. That's the cross. It is whatever price you pay to serve God. And again, salvation's free. But when you serve God, it will cost you. And whatever that price is, is what your cross is. You have to pick that up every day. You think Paul had a price? Oh my goodness. He was, one of, he was a powerful man in the Roman Empire. He was powerful. He, he had authority. He had wealth. He had riches. He was, a, he was a man of means. And he lost it to go run around and sleep on it with his head on rocks and get beaten and get shipwrecked and have to run out of the back of buildings and be lowered down on baskets and be stoned and all that to serve God. That was his cross. And he said, I die daily. And he tells us, pick up that cross and carry it. Carry that cross every day. Could you stand and pray with me? Father, I just I look to you and Lord... I ask that you will help every one of us here to realize the power of the cross, the the purpose of the cross, the the value of the cross. Lord, we we so many times allow the, the whole meaning of Christianity to become so soft and so, I don't know, beneficial to the flesh. Lord, help us, help each one of us to realize that serving you is not about the flesh. It's about the Spirit. Father, I pray, God, that You will open our minds and our hearts to this. Open us up and help us realize what happened on that cross. The value of the cross. Help us to realize what that sin in our lives cost. Lord, I pray that You will will open our spirit to receive and understand beyond anything we've ever done before. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.